Episode 46 of the False Neutral Podcast. All three of us are here today. I'm Pete. With me, Garrett and Eric. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? How's it happening? I actually uh, got home from work in time that I was, for the first time in a long time, able to brew up some delicious Mystic Monk medium decaf. So (laughs) I had my coffee this week. I've been been without for a while. I've been back on the... uh, Seattle Ferry Coffee, and uh, it's time to they go do, back to the upgrade. They do have a uh, Coffee of the Month club, so. Yeah, but the problem is is that I have to order the five-pound bag because they're 12-ounce bags they have normally. That lasts me about two and a half weeks, maybe. <laughs> I still just drink my Costco dehydrated in a can coffee, and, you know, <laughs> it works. <laughs> I did some work to the new CV650 that I got. Yeah, how's um, it going? It's going. It's uh, just kind of a, well, you know, it's winter and I don't really plan to ride it for a couple months anyways. So I've just been tinkering on it here and there. But as you'll recall, um, it had some wiring issues, i.e. the wiring harness was completely destroyed and burnt out from whatever the previous owner did to it. But, I'm surprised so, it ran. And yeah, well, you know, they had taken the wiring harness apart and electrical taped all the wires up because, you know, the insulation was just completely gone. So <laughs> they had just wrapped each individual wire with electrical tape. And, you know, what's really funny is uh, whoever did it spent a lot of time and effort getting things to work again. So there were some wires that were just destroyed. So they... You know, they must have diagnosed what wasn't working, ran new wires to fix what wasn't working and like did a bunch of splicing and just really butchered the whole thing. And like I said on the episode where we talked about it for the first time, I found a wiring harness, a perfect wiring harness for $30. And it's not difficult to replace. It's not like it goes into the frame or anything else. It literally just sits on the motorcycle. Everything plugs in. So, you know, $30 and it took me 15 minutes to replace. I can't even imagine how many hours the previous owner had into repairing (laughs) the last one. And it just makes no sense to me. But so I replaced the wiring harness. Um, Also, like uh, behind the left side side cover were like the starter relay and uh, flasher relay and all that kind of stuff is it looked like they had taken it all out and then. They, like, stuffed it back in, and then as quickly as they could put the cover back on while, like, <laughs> taking their hand out of the way, you know? So it's, so everything was just a mess. But everything has a, a clip that holds the electrical connectors in a certain way, and there's little rubber insulators for the flasher relay and the, the starter relay. And, and so everything fits in there a certain way. So I spent some time and looked at pictures and figured out how it was all supposed to go back together. So I did that. Um, wiring harness is installed, uh, fixed all the goofy little 
customizations, quote unquote, that the <laughs> previous owner had did. But you know what's actually kind of concerning about the motorcycle that I found out when I was doing an oil change is effectively it has been running without an oil filter for I don't know how long. Um, so these Hondas have, and probably a, a lot of different motorcycles have, it's a cartridge oil filter. When you take off the, the oil filter housing there, the, the oil filter is sandwiched between a spring and a, a spacer so that a, the oil filter is positioned on the oiling shaft. So that oil has to go through the filter and then back into the motor and then also the spring and the the little spacer make it so that it seals the oil filter so oil doesn't just go around it. Um, and this bike had none of those parts. The oil filter was just in the housing, but it wasn't positioned in the spot where it was supposed to be. So the oil had to go wow. through it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just one of those things where I'm sure over time people take the oil filter housing off and these these pieces either get lost, they fall into the oil pan or whatever else, but they're small parts, but they are critical parts. They are what makes the oil go through the filter and none of those parts were there. So luckily you can still get them from Honda. Like there was four parts missing and total. It cost me $11 and 53 cents for them. <laughs> uh, that must have really but, messed with the oil pressure and stuff. I'm surprised it didn't like gall the cams or whatever. Well, it won't affect oil pressure. Yes, Cam. Uh, It won't affect oil pressure. It just won't make the oil go through the filter. But it'll have a very negligible effect on oil pressure. We'll see how long the motor lasts. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I was pretty surprised to find that. When I bought the swing arm for Boltockenstein, it had a shaft in it, and I couldn't get it out and i couldn't get out i couldn't figure out so i finally just took a drift and tapped it out and screwed up the the little uh delrin bearing or bushings that Mm -hmm. were in there to get it out and evidently it had worn enough that someone (laughs) it, it blows my mind it had worn so somebody built it back up with a welder and then tried to grind it round again with <laughs> with, a, with a grinder like not on yeah. a lathe or anything so it was like all these like series of flat spots around mm. it and i was like you put so much work into a, a 25 dollar part i'm sure he used an old coat hanger or something but you had to take time to hit a welder so you weren't a total idiot it's like it just floors me I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, some of the things, it's just like, it'd be so much easier just to fix it the right way. And it's not motorcycling related. And sorry to my friend who I'm going to mention in this. Uh, not by name, though. I, I have this friend who has this truck, and it's a Ford Ranger. And interestingly, the the headlights, when you pull on the headlight switch, it sends power to the switch on top of the column where you actuate it for the low beams and high beams, and then it goes to the headlights. That switch on top of the column went out, and it's easy to replace, and it's cheap also. Um, So he went to the auto parts store, and instead of buying a new switch, he bought some, like, generic toggle switch, 
and then cut all the wires off of the switch, <laughs> figured out like which one was for the low beam. <laughs> so now he has a toggle switch hanging in like he could have for the same price and also probably a whole lot easier. Just replace the switch the right way. <laughs> um, and so uh, uncoincidentally, he is also one that kind of criticizes me for all the work that I put into my motorcycles. Specifically, my TX750, you guys know, I have like dozens and dozens of hours into fixing it, but I just wanted it to be perfectly right. And then as soon as I got this new motorcycle, I kind of did the same thing. I took it all apart so I could look at everything, inspect it all. And he criticizes me for the amount of work that I put into it. But he's also the one that puts a toggle switch in instead of fixing a headlight switch. I, uh, I I actually spent more than three seconds looking at my uh, XS400 this week as I was taking some stuff out to the or taking garbage out to the garage and had was to it move four it. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, as you walk by it, normally I just walk by it and I'm in a hurry to get it out because it's, you know, yeah. eight degrees outside. I don't want to. And the garage is uninsulated and unheated. I've got no desire to spend any time in there, which I actually yeah. need to because I need to work on my daily and change the brakes out on that but i'm not going to be doing that in cold weather sorry yeah um, no, the- but but so anyway so it was like oh yeah okay we really need to do some stuff and oh yeah i never did drain the gas out of this thing so. yeah. <laughs> yeah well gonna be cleaning those carbs again yeah well, there's probably- something about the cold weather though that is so unmotivating like you could have all the intent in the world and then you go out into your garage and it's cold and you're like, you know what? I'm saving this for another day. Well, I, I, I spent enough, I spent enough days as a broke college student in Michigan having to work on my cars on, you know, on street corners and stuff like that. And just like, and I have frostbite, mild frostbite. So my hands and my feet get painful, uh, yeah. you know, uh, kind of quick sometimes. It's yep. a little, it, it, no rhyme or reason sometimes. Sometimes it'll be fine. Other times it's like it, I, they don't. And then beginning of arthritis a little bit. So then your hands don't move right at all. And it's like, yeah, screw this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I am uh, I actually am fortunate that I work in the basement. So I've got a nice heated drive-in basement that I can work in. Uh, but I, uh, I my workshop time is in the morning and every day I have something. But. This morning, actually twice in the past week, I was able to go down and spend a couple hours down there. Uh, and as you know, I've got all the wiring behind the in the headlight shell of the 125 that needs addressing. And I was uh, just, you know, had was having a difficult time getting motivated to do that. But I kind of pulled myself up and said, okay, I need to do this and went downstairs and worked on the Boltaco instead. So I uh, I went down and I actually drew up uh, a design for uh, rear motor mounts for it and uh, got them cut out of paper and then transferred that to aluminum and I got a I actually got them cut out and was kind of filing them down shaping them. Because I'm just using a hacksaw to actually kind of roughing it out with a reciprocating saw, then a hacksaw and a and a file. And I was going, to, I was like, you know, these are pretty wimpy. These are a little thin and willowy 
for what I want them to do. So I'm starting over and I'm going to make a more robust pair. But so I'm actually doing something. So. Why don't you? <laughs> I could save you a lot of time and effort if you just send me a PDF of the shape. Um, I can have it laser cut for you. Well, you know, I'm, we have parts laser cut pretty frequently, and I do CAD work, and so I'll just make a CAD drawing of oh, it. Oh, I can and, send you a DXF file, or oh or, yeah, I know. can I can just send that to manufacturer, and it'll be three and a half bucks per part. <laughs> and, really? Because I yeah. I have a place that does water jet cutting, like a half mile from where I work, but they don't do jobber stuff. They only do production runs, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, we would charge you so much to do one part because we have to set it all up and we, you know, have a setup fee. So they're like, y you don't want to deal with this. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely does it do have that. to be? Does it have to be aluminum or can it be steel? No, I can actually. I just do aluminum. Steel would be nicer because you could do, you know, probably, probably uh, three sixteenth inch steel would be would be more than enough. Yeah, I just it do aluminum because it's easier to work with. It took me quite a long time to find a company that would do the the vault because we don't get a ton of parts made, but we do enough. And this company that I work with, um, they price it the same, really, whether you're doing $100 in work or $10,000 in work. The cost per part really isn't that much different. And what's surprising is we have these steel plates. Um, they're about two feet by two feet with... Uh, quite a bit of laser work done to them and we pay something like 20 bucks each for them to have them laser cut and have four bends made wow and, i mean it's just like yeah you just can't beat the price so uh, yeah little oh. parts like that it'll just be almost nothing absolutely you, i will i will take you up on that yeah send me a dxf and i'll have it done <laughs> <laughs> bang right <laughs> that was fast uh that's <laughs> just a just a jpeg but i can i can <clears throat> send it that to you so uh, in other right, news so uh the this morning i got a text from mr mark atkinson maker of the alpha <clears throat> streamliner speedster thing excuse me Unlike Cameron Vanderhorst, I actually moved my mouth away from the mic when I cough. <laughs> <laughs> actually, most of the time I'm editing it out, but I'm trying not to edit this one because I edited out like 10 minutes last week because we were doing so much of looking through uh, YouTube and listening to videos while we were recording. There was a lot of just... Dead space. Yeah, let me see. Hmm, let me look at this. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, okay. I'll uh, pulled out all but just a little representative sample of that kind of stuff last week. So yeah, I pulled out like ten and a half minutes from our recording last week. So I'm gonna try and skip it. But anyways, uh, Mark, uh, on uh, his build, he has it running. He has ridden alpha. Uh, the steering was very, very heavy, so he's changed some linkage, uh, geometry quite a bit so that the, the, uh, mechanical advantage on the, on the hydraulic cylinders is different. So hopefully, uh, he didn't want to ride it again because he had to put it together and make it all spiffy for his photo shoot. But there is a video of him, 
just sitting on it and revving it with the turbo wine wailing in the photo studio. So uh, it is together. And he sent me a text this morning that said, hey, you guys should do a two-stroke episode and I should be on it. So I was like, cool, great. So next week, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday next week, we'll record and uh, uh, Mr. Maker will be here. And we'll cool. we'll have an all two stroke episode, which, as you guys know, will just upset me terribly. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of of complicated things, and this goes on to the whole workshop thing, and that's why we're talking about it. Um, the my uh, my turntable that I have is a fifty year old German table called Dual, which in the day was not that expensive, but it was nice. And uh, a, a few weeks ago, I'm Playing, uh, playing a record, and I'm like, hmm, speed sounds off. It just sounds slow, so I check it, and yeah, it's slow, and I can adjust the speed, and okay, that's fine. Come back a day or two later, listen to something else. It's still slow, and I had to adjust it more. I'm like, this is not good, so I find some... I'm like looking into it, and like, do I want to fix this myself? And I'm going to send you guys what the underside looks like of this thing. Um, it doesn't look quite the, as nice as this picture that I'm going to send you, because um, this one's been all redone, and poli- everything's been polished with an inch of its life. <clears throat> but there are instructions on how to take it apart, clean it, oil it, and put it back together. <laughs> and when I flipped it, when I flipped it around and looked underneath, I said, "All right, let's see are who th- can fix this and what it's going to cost me." <laughs> yeah. And, are the uh, instructions found, in English or German? <laughs> uh, no, they were in English, thankfully. Okay. Because um, this was sold, uh, the dual was sold in the U.S. and was somewhat popular, and it's what's called a idle or wheel drive and don't ask me to explain it because i don't still quite understand it but anyways so i found a guy in iowa who's kind of well known and it, it was like 200 bucks for you to I, I for me to ship it to him have him service it uh fix a couple other little things that i wanted fixed and have it shipped back to me i'm like 200 bucks yes because if yeah. i dive into this thing um there's no way in hell that's ever going back together correctly <laughs> yeah that looks so, like something i wouldn't want to attempt so the question is, is at what point do you, and this is a question for everyone to answer in Hoonover, and under our Hooniverse post, or uh, as we posted on our Facebook, at what point in motorcycle, your motorcycle, do you go, yeah, this is not a job that I'm going to tackle myself. I'm going to push this off to someone else. Are you a, I'll wrench on anything and figure it out? Are you, I'm not picking up a wrench at all and it's going to go into service? Are you somewhere in between? What's, what's your level? I, as I've told you guys, I have project bikes that I'll do everything on, and I have bikes that I ride that I do nothing on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I work in a race shop, so <laughs> that means that I do everything myself. Well, when you were telling me that you you uh, fabricated what you needed to adapt the modern... Uh, uh, the starter clutch gear? Yeah, the starter clutch for your T. <clears throat> Frankly, that was very impressive for just kind of a, oh, yeah, by the way, I did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, it, it's easy when you have the right tools, but, you know, the right tools are expensive and large. And, and you know, I wouldn't expect anybody to have them in their shop. But, you know, when you make a living with them and you have them around, then it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah, uh, I was for something else and completely unrelated. I'm like, mm, I wish I had like a lathe. <laughs> so I need yeah. to cut a sight base for an optic. But um, 
we won't go into that. Well, um, Pete and, I think Pete and I both have lathes, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> Send me a DXF. I'll get that going too. <laughs> you you do? Do you have a CNC lathe that you can work no, up? Oh, okay, no, it's yeah. not CNC. Well, then you know I'll do that for him if you'll do my engine plates for me, and yeah. you know we'll just we'll just all pass it around. Yeah. A good friend of mine owns a pretty advanced machine shop where they do all the CNC machine work. And so anything that I don't feel like making on a manual machine, I just have him do on a CNC equipment. I uh, I know, well, the guy who's a, I'm not going to call Ryan a friend, but someone I know well um, has some stuff and he's about an hour from me. So I'll just go down there and have him cut something for me. But because um, he's got a, not a brilliant lathe, but a you know an old school, nice old school manual lathe that he uses for making custom 1911. So he can probably whip that out in about ten minutes for me. Yeah. So, Speaking uh, of complicated things and two strokes, which we'll talk about more next week, I'll get out. There's an engine that we have on our shelves in the shop that was made by my dad years and years ago. I think in the late 90s, and it's it's a RZ350 motor, and through Heroic efforts. It is now 650 cc's. <laughs> how how yeah. thin are those cylinder walls? No, it doesn't have original cylinders on it I was anymore. Say. Um, but Even, yeah, so it, it's it's 650 cc's, and what's really impressive about it is it uses dual 44 millimeter carburetors, <laughs> and those carburetors bolt onto CR500 reed cages. Each cylinder has a CR500 reed cage and reed boss. <laughs> With dual 44 millimeter carburetors, it did 156 horsepower on alcohol. Wow. I mean, it is a serious, serious motor. And so I'll get it out and I'll take some pictures of the inner workings of it. And um, it's a just a wild motor. It's, Someone there, built I, it for like a drag bike or a drag quad um, or something? No, this was for a race bike, a two-wheeled race bike. Um, but it was used for a really short amount of time. Um, only a year or maybe two years and then it was put away. Um, but it's just kind of been sitting in storage ever since. I mean, what I want to do with it is build something like a land speed bike and use this motor for it because it's 650 cc's, uh, two stroke, but the, the motor itself only weighs about 72 pounds. Um, and that it's a huge amount of power to be had in such a little package. See, see I hear that and I go, hmm, let me find an Aprilia RS250 cup bike. Yeah. <laughs> and then swap. And, I mean, because everyone, I mean, there's been a hundred, a well, hundred is probably low, but that's like a common swap to put an yeah. you know, RZ350 in it. And, and that bike weighed under 300 pounds or right about 300 pounds. So that would be a, that would yeah. be a mega machine. Yeah, and on alcohol, it makes a ton of torque. Um, so it would be it would be a really easy to ride motor as far as huge horsepower two strokes go. Um, but I don't know; it's pretty wild. It definitely makes a lot of power. So alcohol is in methanol, or yeah. alcohol is in like E eighty five, or methanol. Methanol, yeah, yeah, yeah. The same motor on on uh, race gas. Made 132-ish horsepower right in there. Wow. You know, uh, Ken Essex, one of the regulars on the Cafe Racer uh, forum, I think he's up in Alaska somewhere. Uh, he was just saying uh, he's got like three FZ600s 
one of them missing a motor, and he was thinking, what should I do with them? And uh, I, I think that 650 motor would go real well in an FZ600. Not the It's not the FZR with the spar frame. It's the perimeter square uh-huh. yeah. tube frame original in place of the air-cooled uh, four. That would that would that would be a really interesting bike. Yeah. It would be very light and very powerful. The the tough part is really getting exhaust pipes. Um like I said the the uh the cylinders are not a factory casting of any kind. Um so they have a re- very specific flange on them, but also the it's just a twin and it's 650cc the exhaust pipes have to be gigantic on it um and so getting them to fit on a motorcycle is kind of a challenge so but Um, not impossible so the cylinders on that 650 is that like a billet cylinder essentially uh it's not a billet cylinder there is there's a guy i don't want to say what kind of cylinders they are but there's a guy who makes um aftermarket cylinders for all kinds of banshee based projects and these cylinders were a re- a very early casting that he experimented with um back in the kind of early to mid 90s mm. and um they can still be found uh and and you'll see on when I'll get some pictures of it but um they're they're kind of based off of a snowmobile type of cylinder gotcha um, but um, oftentimes snowmobiles aren't a reed port motor. Uh, they're like a case induction motor. Um, mm-hmm. These ones are a reed port, so they work out really well for this type of setup. Gotcha. Speaking of of case induction, one of my ongoing I'm not even sure it's a fantasy. It's just like a mental exercise. Uh, I want to take like something that that's got a case reed motor. And make a, a, an opposed twin two-stroke, yeah, with one big carb feeding the center of the case, like a you know, right in the, under the tank, like a gold wing. You've got one big carb going in, yeah, and it's sucking into two opposed cylinders, so they're both pumping in and out of the, you know, it's their transfer ports are open up at the same time, and it's compressing the same time. So you could do kind of like the old. Uh, MZ BK 350, but do it with like two giant 500 cc open MX <laughs> cylinders. <laughs> yeah, it would probably suppose, have a lot of torque. I suppose you wouldn't have to do case read. You could just do like a big, like CR 500 cylinders on either side, and just have yeah. two carbs like a BMW. Mm-hmm. You could mount that like right up to a BMW transmission. Have a thousand cc two stroke opposed boxer motor. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Like some. Like, yeah. Somewhere like on air, the internet, so I'll air. Cooled. I'll dig it up for next a weekend or next week. But there is a somewhere on the internet. So there's a thousand cc V twin CR five hundred motor. <laughs> I've um, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's like two hundred horsepower ish, or maybe so- somewhere close to that. So um, let me see if I can find it. Um, and, and I guess we can probably talk about this next week. Um, eight, damn it. Um, so there's uh, a particular 
And this thing's had like a hundred thousand views on or hundred thousand, probably about a hundred million views on YouTube. Um, 11 million, as a matter of fact, it's an outboard. Oh, the V8. Motor. Yeah. The outboard <laughs> V8 motor. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that and, the uh, Volvo one or the, the yeah, the, they're putting in like a 1960s Volvo. Yeah. It's the and coolest thing in the world. <laughs> you can find these, you can actually find that engine without too much trouble for a couple thousand bucks on eBay. And, you know, like the thing of like, oh, two strokes, small, compact, lightweight. And the more I look at that thing, it's like, well, because the expansion chambers, it's neither small, lightweight or compact. Well, the you expansion know? Yeah. chambers don't weigh much. They're just big, but they're full of air. It, yeah, it'd be lightweight, but then you have to couple it to a transmission that's functional for it to work. And, and also... I, I would never, ever, ever want to try to tune a motor like that <laughs> unless it was fuel injected. Then, sure. But carburetor, forget Eight carburetors? About it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to sync eight carburetors together? Well, what, what you'd have to do is you'd have to put a um, uh, an air fuel ratio meter in each expansion, yeah. in each expansion uh, chamber and just, yeah, just kind of go and tune it into as eight individual cylinders. That, that sounds miserable to me. <laughs> uh, there's another one that uh, is actually older than that. And, uh, it's the same motor. It's the 3.6 liter V8 Evinrude Johnson yep. OMC motor in a, uh, in a sand rail. And they've got it on a dyno. And the interesting thing is that something screws up with the transmission. So it just, instead of having a dyno curve, it just scribbles all over. <laughs> <laughs> it's really yeah. cool. It, in truth, they don't make enough power. Yeah. That they really make a whole lot of sense, but they're still really cool. I can't imagine yeah. how loud they would be, though. Oh, just be obnoxiously, be obnoxiously loud, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I think in a sand rail, uh, a, a popular motor, or at least it used to be, is a rotary motor. And I think for the weight and all that, um, I would I would much rather use a rotary motor than a two-stroke yeah. V8 motor. I agreed. I agreed. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a rotary carding motor that I always thought was interesting. It's the AIXRO. A-I-X-R-O. X-R-50. It's a 33 horsepower single rotor engine for for go-karts that hmm. makes for its its size just an incredible amount of power and uh i i need to uh i haven't even heard of this before yeah yeah it it, it everything i've read about them is that they're extremely cool little motors i don't know why nobody's put one in a bike since oh, we're that, talking about that instead of the kx80 motor or kx60 motor we could build our little race bikes with rotaries in them <laughs> yeah, I forget about that. It looks like a little uh, weed eater motor. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but it's um, putting out thirty. I was just horsepower. thinking the other day. I was thinking we were talking about our little KX or sixty cc motocross motors. I do have, and it is a little bit too big, but I do have a CT one seventy five motor sitting that could be used. Uh, Air cooled, five speed, two stroke. 
but it's a 175. A one, a what? A CT? A CT, CT 175 Yamaha uh, Enduro. DT? No, CT. The CT was before oh, the D. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. Like CT3 right, 175. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, if, if we were going to do that, I, one thing that I, I don't know if I brought that up last time was uh, the Blaster ATV motor. Which is oh yeah, two hundred cc, two hundred cc, air cooled. It's the mm-hmm. old uh, IT one seventy five yeah. motor with yep. electrics, and you could run lights off of it and stuff. And yep. uh, that would be a good motor. There actually is somebody on ADV Rider that has uh, built. Uh, he actually took an XS four hundred like yours and uh, put a blaster motor in it, just mm. kind of. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, so, sorry, how big is this rotary engine? 50 cc's? Yeah. It's, and it's making 45 well, PS, which is 47, 48 horsepower? It's hard to compare rotary cc's to... Yeah, I know. You, well, you usually normal. multiply it by like three, I think, two yeah, or three. Yeah, you've got still. Three, three chambers in there. Yeah. That are yeah. All, I think. What was it? Did they use two or one point five for racing when they I when they were racing? Thought it was. I thought it was two, but I could be mistaken on that. I think some people wanted it to be the actual displacement. Some people wanted it to be two, and they compromised and went with like one point five as kind of an index. But uh, there, there's the uh, picture of the blaster bike, which is just this really low buck. Uh, budget build of a blaster motor in a an old XS 360 or 400 frame and uh, uh, that would be a really cool motor to uh, yeah in this particular picture I, I should find one with the exhaust on it but uh, that is cool yeah that'd be a good motor because you can get uh, parts for those easily cheaply um, they made so many of them that, and they've made them so recently that you can still buy them in really good condition. Yeah. Um, oh, the joys yeah. of premix. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's another thing. As I be- the blasters, um, they have a oil or do they have an injection. oil tank? Oh yeah, wow, they okay. have an oil oil injection pump, so you wouldn't have to premix. Right. That way, it could be street legal, and mm-hmm. you could just fill it up. At the normal gas station, and, and, not have and you've to got a nice oil. You've got a halfway decent lighting coil on it. Yes, that you could at least run some rudimentary lights on it. Yep, Pete. I don't need other ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at this, going, "Wow, look at all that space in like the engine area." Because not that that's not that there isn't enough, but just with all the stock stuff on my bike, it's like, eh, "Wow, look at all that space in there." I think an really, IT490 motor would just be perfect in your bike. And <laughs> so much better than that really crappy XS400 motor. Uh, that thing makes like 20, 20, 22 horsepower, I think. It, I mean, it's not. It, it gets out of its own way just, you know, kind of thing. But it's a dog. Let's face it. it yes. No, no, no. <laughs> a full full stop. Yes. It's not. You you, twi- you whack the throttle wide open on that thing and a couple times I've had it running properly and it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. So, yeah. I need ideas. 
<laughs> so, and that's really not that blaster motor is a whole lot easy. bigger than like an ADCC or or little. Yeah. Uh, that would that so would that would be a okay. whole lot more fun. Okay, yeah. so going back to last week's episode, yes, is that the, is that our is that our engine then that we're going to use for micro Italian bikes series? I say I say yes because those are cheap, uh, readily available. Um, you, you're not going to have to scour to find one, so we could all easily get one. You can buy complete engines on. There's always like five or six complete blaster motors on eBay at any given time. And there's probably three or four in your local Craigslist for less than the, what they're going to charge you for an engine. You can go out and buy the whole thing. And, you know, just, I think there's one with a, with the motor in pieces on my local Craigslist for $400 for the whole thing. I could sell the axles and wheels and make my money back. Yeah, exactly. So. I, before buying a complete well, engine, I would just buy a complete blaster. Exactly. Yeah. Here's for the same price. Take the here's, engine. Here's here's a blaster. I'm just looking at one. Needs motor rebuilt. Three hundred bucks. <laughs> like, well, okay. Since I got to go through it anyways. Um, <laughs> but uh, what am I looking at for a blaster? About thousand to twelve hundred bucks for a blaster. I mean, just on Craigslist really fast. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and they're they're not as high strung as a uh, as a little no. MX motor. I mean, there you can run those on the street for a long time before you're going to have to do any you know rebuild work on it. Yeah, honestly, the the blaster motor probably makes about as much power as a modern eighty cc MX motor. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have way lower port timing, uh, big bore, short stroke. Um, yeah, I mean, the blasters aren't really designed for the same purpose, but uh, they'd be a good street motor for sure. 1200 bucks for a 2001 blaster with a Vitos big bore 240cc kit. I would run from that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that they the once you put the 240 kits in those, you're... On borrowed time is is they become like yeah, an no, MX motor. Well, yeah, I think that it probably has a lot to do with the quality of manufacturing and and some of those kits. But um, the I, I've built many many Vito's crankshaft or rebuilt, I should say. Um, <laughs> when you true like an RZ crankshaft, especially a factory one. Um, you press it apart, you can replace the inside bearings and rod bearings, and um, you can press it apart and press it back together a dozen times, and it still goes together really, really tight to the point where when you true it, you have to wail on it to get it into spec. I mean, to move a crank wheel a half a thousandth of an inch, I mean, you really have to get after it. A Vito's crank, if you press it apart and press it back together once, it's like butter. You can almost true it by hand. Interesting. It is really frightening. <laughs> so. Yeah. 700, 700, 620. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at uh, engines on eBay really quick here. Yeah. Six, six to 800 bucks. Yeah. You might as well just buy the whole bike. So. Yeah. And that way you'll know that you have everything you need to make it run. Yep. And it runs. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's like I said, I, I, I don't need ideas. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe next winter's project, but not right now. What I well, don't then remember last week is really going to hurt you. <laughs> oh, I know. Trust me. I don't remember if uh, those motors have an iron bore or a nickel bore. Not that it really matters, but if it has an iron bore, then that would be a whole lot easier to rebuild. I would think it. For as cheap as they are, I'd have to think that they're that they're an iron bore. But who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> so <laughs> going on the next week's going to hurt me. Not as much as seeing the bottoms auction from a couple weeks or last week or two weeks ago where there was a I can pull it up again on rare sport bikes. But it was I think it was like an under 5000 mile <clears throat> RZ or an RD 500 RD 500, whatever what I used to have. And it went for like $30,000 or oh something like that. Good Lord. It was something I mean, it was really low miles. So, OK, I get it. But um, I was like, oh, my don't do that to me. Yeah. So, uh, well, there's a uh, there's currently there's a what is this an 80 a restored 84 uh, RZ 350 Kenny Roberts bike uh, listed or it's on there. And I think it's on eBay for like almost eight grand, which is like um, that's pushing it. But, you know. Yeah. Um, All right. So that's you'd have to really want one. Yeah. To pay that much for one. Um, A good friend of mine bought a Kenny Roberts. RZ350 that was in good shape, but all original. Um, he bought it last year for I think twenty six hundred bucks, and it's oh, it's shit. really nice. Um, not restored nice, but very very clean. All right, so it was, I'm sorry, it had uh, twelve hundred and seventy nine miles on it. Is this the five hundred? Yeah, the RD five hundred LC, so RZ five hundred. That's just what uh-huh. it was called in the UK. Uh, $20,500 before premiums, buyer's premiums. Wow. But uh, 1,200 miles, it's almost brand new. Yeah. But that's one of those things like you almost, you buy it and you can't write it because the miles are so low on it, you know? Yeah. You're you're buying that to put in a collection. I got to assume that anybody that's buying an RZ500 isn't, we can't be buying it to write it. Well, especially like if you think about spending... 20 plus thousand dollars on something like that. Certainly they have a whole fleet of other motorcycles yes. to ride. And so I can't imagine this is just like a, I mean, maybe they'll ride it here and there, but it's not like it's going to be a lot of miles are going to be put on it. So there's another one they show here, which is actually pretty interesting because there's, it's listed as two different things. The bike says it's a Laverta SFC uh, 1000 and the text underneath it says it's an RGS 1000. Um, but that only sold for nine thousand dollars. Mm. <laughs> like oh, really? Speaking <laughs> of, uh, this is this is the episode of really bad segues and circling back to things. Uh, last week we had uh, uh, we were talking about Lavertas and on Hooniverse. Uh, I'm trying to think of who it is that has a uh, Laverta that's a regular on Hooniverse. And he was saying that both of the video clips that we put in were the 180 degree crank, and he put a video. Uh, was it manual? Uh, no, it was. Because uh, he's the last guest I remember being on on Hooniverse. No, no, no. Uh, just one of the regulars. Oh, oh, on sorry. The website I'm, regular. Gotcha. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That uh, he commented on our post that. Uh, 
and uh oh batchet box and oh, okay and uh he has a rga 180 degree crank and he list he posted a link to an rgs with the 180 degree crank mm-hmm. and it sounds really nice it does not have that really weird cool odd sound that sounds so good when I think of a Laverta, so I guess what I really like is the 180 degree cranks with the, with the missing four cylinder pause in it. So yeah, I have to look at that when uh, when we get done. I will uh, put the link in our Skype chat when we get. You can look at it. Uh, and he he mentioned the. The 166, RC166 video that we had last week. Mm-hmm. And I posted a reply to him about the guy who's writing it in that video is Hikaru Miyagi. Literally, Mr. Miyagi <laughs> is writing it. He is the, the, uh, designated writer at Honda Collection Hall. His whole job is to ride the, you know, take out and exercise all of these priceless, irreplaceable, old historical bikes, and I think cars as well. I'd I'd say that job wouldn't suck, but it actually kind of would because you have to be very precise on how you have to do everything, and and you're dealing with priceless, you know, priceless items. Right. And uh, just this past September... I want to ask next week, I want to ask, uh, Mark about it because he in September was at Bonneville and set the, the 660cc streamliner, uh, world speed record for Honda. Their, I think it was S Dream is the name of their, uh, regu- it's not a motorcycle, it's a streamliner land speed record car, but it's got their 660cc motor. Mm. That they use in their K cars, mm-hmm. yeah, two hundred and sixty miles an hour out of wow. six hundred and sixty cc. And he was he was the pilot. That's amazing. I, I want to know if uh, uh, Mark, when he was at Bonneville, whether he saw that run. That would be pretty crazy. I want to see how streamlined that is. That has to be. Is that like it was? It's a four four wheel streamliner, or is it a two wheel streamliner? It is. About as streamlined as you can get. The windshield is like behind the front wheels. It's so low. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that 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 looks like you almost want to put a, a turbine or a rocket on the back of that thing. It's so streamlined looking. That's, if anybody wow. knows Mr. Miyagi and would like uh, to invite him to be on our podcast, I would probably fly to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Hire a translator if necessary. Well, we kind of just had a mishmash of all kinds of stuff, but uh, yeah. We're yeah, considering all... we started this with like, what are we going to talk about this week? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, fortunately, yeah. we all managed to do something in the workshop this week, which is a rarity for the three of us, for yeah, all of us. So, well, cool. I'll see you all next week, and we'll have uh, Mr. Atkinson on. And meanwhile, we can uh, come up with all of the two-stroke stuff we want to talk about. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you again. And to our listeners, thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.